0: take your bibles to john chapter book of john book of john if you're going to read the bible you start you do not start in genesis please do not start in genesis start in the book of john the new testament new Testament, 66 books of the bible start in the book of john 66 books written by over 40 folks over uh, 1500 years uh, from different places different occupations It would absolutely be impossible for the Bible to have happened without God. I've been studying the Bible seriously since I was 18 years old. I'm 67. The more I study it, the more convinced I am that it is the Word of the living God. It's the Word of the Creator. It cannot be explained. There's no book like it. The book of the Koran is not even a fraction. It, pfft, <laughs> compared to the Bible. The prophets, half the Bible is prophecy. Now when you say something's going to happen, and it happens exactly, e- exactly like you said it was going to happen, and you did it a thousand years ago. And you did it over and 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 over. Half the Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. Half the Bible's prophecy and half the Bible's prophecy has been fulfilled. How was it fulfilled, preacher? Exactly as it was spoken. They were going to pluck the beard off of the Savior. That was in the Psalms thousand years before it happened. They plucked his beard out. They were going to nail him to a cross. Crucifixion wasn't even a form of execution when that was written. Yet they nailed him to a cross, to a piece of wood, a cross. Um, they they gathered around him and and uh, like dogs, and it was it was mentioned. I mean, just on and on. There's 300 specific prophecies just around the cross, and Christ's birth and life that were fulfilled exactly. There's a book called written by Josh McDowell called "Evidence Demands a Verdict." I get tired of people being skeptical of the Bible when they know nothing about it, and they've spent no time to figure it out. They're just in outright denial, and they're going to face the God that wrote it, and He's not going to be happy with you. So if you're a real skeptic and you really want to know the truth, then you'll, you'll, you'll search a little bit, and there's plenty of stuff to find. Evidence of Man's a Verdict uh, would be one book I'd start with. There is uh, The Life and Times of Jesus Christ the Messiah. That's 800 pages. That may be a little tougher. But there's people that have given their whole lives to to validate the honesty and integrity of this book we talk about called the Bible. it came to us free. This old Schofield, this old Schofield. Old Schofield was given to me. Somebody else paid the price on this. I just was given it. But I began to look at it, and I can tell you it's the words, it's the very words again. It could not happen. It's not possible. Mathematically, not possible. Probability, mathematical probability is not possible. For these 66 books to be in here written by over 40 people over 1,500 years, and it's not contradict each other. You can't even tell one kid in your, in your Sunday school class or your school class A story without, and have them tell it to the next kid without way getting to the end of it and having it being perverted. Uh, You folks can't even, we can't even tell our own history right. I I bet if these people were alive, they'd say, preacher, that's not right. But you know the beauty of that? They're not alive. So I can write whatever I want. Nobody's going to correct me. But this is the way I remember it. But I may not remember it right exactly if they were here. Like I thought Viola Cooper had her hip replaced, she had her knee replaced. For years I said, oh, Viola Cooper had her hip replaced. Finally, her, her, her daughter called me up one day and says, you know, you've been saying that for years. I never corrected it, but it was her knee. I said, well, I appreciate that. John chapter 2, 1 through 10. The title of the message is The Complexity of Simplicity complexity of simplicity. Most of you have computers are familiar with computers or fairly savvy. In the world of mechanics, not just computers but mechanics, this statement reigns true, the complexity of simplicity. Robotics is a growing growing industry and in science and robotics is finding out how hard and how complicated it is to have a robot, do what you do, and some of the most simple things we do. Do not take for granted that you can reach over here, pick this up, hold it, open it up, and read it. They have not got a robot that will do that. Uh, They barely get a robot that will stand up, or run, or walk, or jump. Things you do, go and think about. How about problem solving? How about to carry on a conversation that makes any kind of sense? And so, what they're finding is the simple is not so simple. It's actually extremely complex. The complexity of simplicity. Uh, They're simple to us, but complex mechanically to make happen. Uh, The the world of computers, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, uh, Bill being really the, you know, credited with Microsoft and, and Steve being credited with more of an Apple, they're two different ways of doing computing, And um, they understood the, 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 the computer. You remember when they, when they said, <laughs> remember the DOS, D-O-S, it's not a cuss word. But when you did DOS, if you weren't a Christian, you would have cussed. You had to memorize 100 commands to make it work. 100 commands was like a minimum memorization. I went over a computer repairman one time, never forget this guy, cocky. Oh, he was cocky. He said to me, he said, you know, he said, if you don't memorize them DOS commands, you you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be on the outside looking in. You know what happened to him? He was on the outside looking and he closed his shop down. Because a guy by the name of Bill Gates was in his garage trying to figure out how to simplify DOS, DOS. And he came up with a Windows program. Now, the Windows program simplified DOS. Instead of having to memorize uh, a line of code or any of that, you just hit a button. And it in the background, the computer did all that complex stuff to do one what you wanted it to do. Have I, are you with me? I mean, I'm no expert on this, but I'm, I know enough to know this. The Windows system, which I really, really liked when they came out, and I just jumped around and had a fit on how I was able to do my sermons now, able to search now, able to do uh, searches and all kinds of things and, and uh, work on the computer that, that increased my ability. Uh, it made me better at what I was doing and Faster. Um, but in the background of what I was doing, there was a very complex thing going on to fulfill my commands that I gave the computer. And and look at us now. <clears throat> Back in uh, how many here have Star Trek? Or saw the original Star Trek. <clears throat> um, computer, tell me this. Tell me that. We go. Wow. <laughs> I wish it could be that way. It is. Most of you couldn't live without Siri. Or without some sort of Google thing. And and they are they doing they're doing parodies, parodies, little video parodies of job interviews of the millennials. And they go in there, and the one guy says, I need you to do research for me, very complex research, and, and give me the results of them. She said, That's no problem. I just asked Siri. No. But I'm not a very good speller. And in fact, I'm a horrible speller. And I I go to Siri, how do you spell? Siri, how do you spell? Siri, how do you spell? I love it. She spells it for me verbally and shows me its spelling. It's a beautiful thing. If, If I don't use the phone for anything, that is a great feature. How about GPS? How about some of the biggest fights I had in my marriage is when I traveled the lousy navigator I had. I mean, I used to tell Kathy, now you're the navigator, I'm the driver. Now, Yeah, well, I don't know, I can't read, I don't know what this means. What do you mean, do you know what it means? We gotta turn now, we six lanes, I'm out. <clears throat> None of you ever did that. I was telling my wife the other day, we traveled with that GPS, it like, it's like a woman's voice in there. She says, in a half a mile, take a right, In a quarter mile, take a right. In an eighth of a mile, take a right. In a hundred yards, take a right. Take a right! That's my wife. But uh, it shows your lane changes, your four lanes. You take out of four lanes, you take this lane or take this lane, shows you what lane to take. You know what it makes? Peace. Peace like a river attendeth my way. I mean, we, we would motorcycle. On a motorcycle, you know, I mean, if you hit somebody in a motorcycle, it's usually bad for you. So we motorcycle all over the place. And sometimes, you know, you're on them eight lanes or going 80, and you know you've got to take a ride up here. And they're tailgating you on a motorcycle. It's real nerve-wracking. to have this guy tailgating you like an 18-wheeler. And you know if you fall down, all you're going to be is a pump-pump. And you know, you're, you're, down, you're trying to take a right and you're looking over this way. And, and when you got progressive glasses, you, they don't look too good over the size and blurry this, blurry this. And my neck's sore from being old, so I don't even want to look. I just kind of want to go, some of you just go like this and hope they move. Oh, bro, that's good preaching. Hmm. But now you just speak to your phone. Star Trek has arrived. Mechanically in science, a similar thing happened. We've realized the complexity of simplicity. Let's read now with that introduction. John chapter 2, 1 through 10. Third day was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. This is a Jewish marriage. This is a Jewish marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Oinos in the Greek. Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. Uh, He was already beginning to separate himself from her. See, she may have birthed him physically, but he was God manifest in the flesh. And he was beginning to treat her as one that was that he created himself. And the respect was there over and over again. And so I don't think it was disrespectful, but I think it was in the right place. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. This This is the text. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, big old pots. It was for uh, washing feet, you know, whatever they needed to do. Normally it wouldn't be for drinking too much. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said unto them, Draw out now, bear it unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine... And knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. And the governor of the Feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning they set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then which is worse the cheap, worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. The emphasis of the passage here is obviously the miraculous power of Christ to change the substance of water into wine without touching it. Without, commanding it to him, without even commanding it, just obedience of the servants to his words. Now, this gives me encouragement. This gives me great encouragement tonight. If I will do what God asks me to do, the miracles will follow. Amen? Let's quit wanting God to show himself, and then I'll do. If you're waiting for God to show himself, and then I'll do, you're going to wait a long time. What, what, what The soft spot of God is faith. If you want God to help you, then you have faith. You step out, and God will be right there with you. He'll bless your faith. You say, I don't have much faith. Well, have just the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Have just a little bit of faith, but exercise faith. Say, I'm going to read the Bible this year in faith that God's going to do something for me. And I'll tell you what, God will follow it. And if you'll just do the commandments of what, what God has given us in the Bible— and just begin to fulfill those things, you'll find God will be there with you. He will, just like He was here. The question of whether the wine had alcohol in it is, in my opinion, a non-question. This is a Jewish wedding. I've looked at history every way I can look at it. I've read people. I'm going to give you some quotes. Vincent, word studies, a knowledgeable man. Here's what he says. In every instant in the New Testament, it means the presence of alcohol. I know that people from, that I've invited here don't believe that, and they believe there was absolutely no alcohol in this, I, but I, intellectually I cannot agree with that. I believe there was alcohol in what he made. I believe God made everything, everything. And the misuse of it is what has been talked about in the Scripture. Seventy-five times in the Bible... It mentions alcohol. 72 times it's in a negative, negative way. Three times it's in a positive way. And but those three times that it speaks about it in a positive way speak about it medicinally to help people. Okay? But never, ever is drunkenness approved in the Bible. Ever. And being inundated, you know, well, I don't, I can't go any further because I got so much to do here. But that's what Vincent says. And so many others, you know. Uh, Homer, let's go back in history. Let's go back to the people closest to the event. Homer, he mentions a mixing ratio uh, common in their day of 20 to 1. Hello? 20 to 1. Pliny, his mixing ratio in his day was 8 to 1. Uh, Aristophanes mentions a mixing ratio of 3 to 1. Now, 3 to 1... Plutarch mentions that to drink wine unmixed or a mixture of wine of one to one was barbarian and called, they called it strong drink, which was condemned. Uh, The Jews' Passover is a mixture even today, today, of three to one, three to one, three parts water to one part wine. Now the wine Back then, from what I've able to ascertain, 2%, 3%. And you mix that with a volume of another three times, and it goes down to micro percentage, a small, small percentage of alcohol in the wine. Now, why was it there? They had no purification systems for their water. I've been in a third world, and I've I've seen the dilemma of not able to drink water. Now, praise God, for chlorine chlorine. Now, I know health food people think we're all dying because we're drinking chlorinated water. But, buddy, before chlorine, cities like New York and Boston had all kinds of, you know about this, Doc, about those diseases that were coming in the water. When they invented chlorine, they were able to put chlorine in the water and stop all of that stuff. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And so we don't need to mix anything with our water to help it to be antibacterial. Also, people would use silver cups. Silver kills bacteria if you let it set long enough. You know what I mean? So you that silver cups were common. Now, they're not common anymore. Almost nobody uses silver. Uh, the poor souls who used lead cups, they, they had trouble talking after a while, but... Um, But to say, I think really in all honesty, that there was no alcohol in this is just not historically accurate, it's not um, uh, accurate to the etymology of the word, oinos, and it just, it represents our desire to try to eliminate all alcohol uh, from anything. Now before I say any more, how many of you have ever taken NyQuil? raise your hand. 10% alcohol. That's 20 proof. Uh, It used to be 25% alcohol, which was 50 proof. But when it went to 10, I quit drinking it. (laughs) Alcohol is used in cough syrups. It's used all kinds of ways. Still, we use alcohol to uh, help our medicine work. So I don't know really anybody out there that says alcohol has never touched my lips. I've heard preachers say that, and I wanted to say, I think you ought to rethink that because if you've taken any medicines of any kind, almost you, you have, but okay, let's just say alcohol has never touched your lips. Well, good for you. I'm against drinking as much as anybody can be against drinking alcohol for pleasure, for sport. I think it's, it's like grabbing a rattlesnake by the tail and playing with it. I've seen my, I have alcoholics in my family. I've got, I'm part Indian. Uh, You know, we got uh, Indians are horrible alcoholics Alcohol has killed people by the, by the cause. 65% of the crimes, I, I heard the sheriff tell me 65% of all our crimes are committed by people inundated, or not inundated, uh, they've drank alcohol, <laughs> inebriated, inebriated by alcohol or drugs. Now cocaine and some other drugs, crank and some other things that they do, a heroin. But, well, we have an opiate problem. It's horrible. But we have a, really a bigger alcohol problem. The world is drunken tonight, for the most part. Uh, they're drinking like rivers, of, and it's not helping them. And so I'm not in any way advocating, no, 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 absolutely don't drink alcohol for sport. Don't drink it for pleasure. Don't have a glass of wine at night. Don't have uh, two glasses of wine because your doctor says it helps your heart. Don't do any of that stuff. Personally, I've taken a view uh, if I, I'm never, my mother used to say, if you never drink alcohol, you're never going to be an alcoholic, and, I, and praise God for that. That's wise words. If you don't drink it, you're not going to be an alcoholic. I'm not going to be a alcoholic, because the stuff tastes, you know what that stuff tastes like. They make that stuff taste horrible. I think that's so kids, when they find it, don't drink the whole bottle. Remember when they used to make that stuff taste like cherries? It was real good, like that cough syrup. I mean, like I wanted to drink the whole thing. Well, a kid would find that. He'd take a shot on it, he'd drink the whole thing kill him. Now they make that stuff bitter, man. They make that stuff tough. and That's maybe a good thing. But alcohol really of itself can be a valuable medicine and assist helping medicines work. Um, it says in 1 Timothy 5.23, drink no longer water, but use a little wine, oina, same word, for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now I drink a little bit of grape juice at communion, and I drink a little bit of grape juice at home, but the truthfully you're never going to go to a Jewish wedding and have find them drinking grape juice. You're never going to find it. It don't happen. It hadn't happened historically. It just don't happen. Uh, there's going to be some wine. If they're unsaved, especially an unsaved group of people, they're going to drink a little bit of wine. They're going to have it there. And they're going to abuse it. Most of the weddings I went to, they're going to abuse it uh, uh, any way or another. But uh, that's why I won't be part of it. By the way, you want to know more about that, you can look in the book called The Words and the Works of Jesus Christ by J. Dwight Pentecost. So many other authors on that. But that's not what I'm preaching about tonight, but I had to mention that. The thing that got my attention about this phrase is what Mary said. Whatsoever he saith to you, do it. You know, I think we make this thing too complicated. It's it's just simple. But is it simple? Or is it the complexity of simplicity? Is it simple? Let me ask you this question, folks. You said you wanted to read your Bible through in a year. How simple was it? How easy was it? I had somebody come up to me last week and say, Preacher, all these years I've never read my book through. I've never read it through. But I'm going to do it now. I hope so. I had people come to me and say, It's one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do is just read the Bible. You know it's only about It's it's 22.78 chapters a week. You can read the whole Bible through in a year. If you look at it mechanically, it's not hard. But try to do it. And it seems like all hell breaks loose. I mean, you'll get into the genealogies and stumble around and go, oh, I ain't going to read through that. Don't let the genealogies stop you. Don't let the names you don't know stop you. Roll over all of that stuff and keep moving and keep moving and get through that book. There's just something beautiful when you complete the whole Bible and say, I've read every word that God has preserved. There's just something beautiful about that, isn't it? But boy, it seems complex, though it's simple. But I thought that's it. But you say, preacher, just do what? Well, just do what God leads you to do. Could be make a decision this year to attend Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It's a simple decision. Just do it and see what happens. Keep a record of your... Now, if you're sick, we'll give you an offer for that. But if you're not sick or not out of town on some... A necessary trip, uh, see how you do. And I'll guarantee you, you'll struggle to complete the simple thing of just showing up to a service. Why? Because God knows that the foolishness of preaching, by the foolishness of preaching, God saved them to believe. There's something about the preaching of the Word of God with a collective group of born-again Christians, with the Holy Spirit here, out of His Bible, that God begins to work on people that He doesn't work on one to one conversations on. He doesn't work in little Bible studies that way. He works in preaching of the Word that way. It's something that's not explainable, but it's just God's way. He says to do it. Whatever He says to you, do it. Do it. He said, Don't forsake yourself assembling together. Okay, I'm going to do it. I told my wife, We're going to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I'm, eight, I'm 19, she's 18. We got a little baby. And you know, sometimes a little baby can just make you crazy. You got to say man, or I'm not going to go on. A little babies sometimes will make, we'll make you hit your head against the wall a couple of times, you know? About the 500th time they say why. I guess little babies don't do that, do they? They're a little bit older now. But I mean... Or, or have, you ever, have you ever just felt like you're grouchy? Or have you ever gotten in a, a fight with your husband or a fight with your wife? Or have you ever, uh, you know, and, and there's a hundred different things. Your water heater breaks, your tire goes flat, your car don't want to run, it's snowed outside. No, no, we don't have that. Yeah. You just try to make that decision, see how it goes. The complexity of Simplicity. Uh, Tell others about you. Say, by the grace of God, I'm going to give the plan of salvation out at least once a month. I'm going to give the full plan of salvation to some human being, one to one, once a month. Make some sort of decision like that. Make it once every six months. See how it goes. You're going to find some resistance, but you're going to find God is going to be with you on that. Whatever He says, just do it. Obeying the commandments of the Bible, our daily walk, our marriage, Our separation from the world, our cessation of sin, uh, our broken and contrite spirits, our humble and remorseful attitudes, our desire to serve, 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 just do it. Our desire to be pure and like Jesus, make a commitment to do it, because that's what God wants you to do. Just do it. It is simple. Whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. You say, Preacher, can it be that simple? Yeah, but you're going to find in that simplicity a whole bunch of complexity and resistance. But if you'll just say, I'll, I'm just going to do what he asked me to do. Those servants at the wedding of Cana just did what he wanted them to do. They didn't go around saying, well, now why would we do that? Why would we do that? Why would, you know, they wouldn't have seen God's hand if had they said that. But when they obeyed the simple things, they didn't even understand all of it. I'm trying to tell you something tonight, and I've told you some things tonight and other nights that you surely didn't understand. Why do I need to read the Bible, preacher? Why do I need to witness? Why do I need to come to church? Why do I need to tie? Why do I need to do these things? Because God said to do it. As a young man, I just went to the book, I read it, and said, "Okay, Lord Jesus, if you'll show it to me, I'll endeavor by your grace and power to do it. Not in the power of the flesh." Not in the power of will, but if you'll help me, I want to do your will. And you know what? He'll help you do it. The flesh will resist you. The world will resist you. The devil will resist you. The forces of all hell will resist you. But by the grace of God, you will do it. You will. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I'm going down the road and that hit me. That hit me. I'm hearing Alexander Scorby. When I go to heaven, I'm hoping maybe when God talks to me, it'll sound like Alexander Scorby. And Alexander Scorby, he said, Do it. And I thought, Oh my, two little words. How many people argue around that thing, struggle around that thing, and miss the blessings of God? They turn around, and they're old. Now, you old people in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. You literally turn around, and all of a sudden you're old. But aren't you glad that you did the will of God just one day at a time? There's a little song about that. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Oh, that's all I'm asking of you. I can't remember any more of the words of that, but I like that part of it. Just one day at a time. That says it all. I can't live tomorrow. I can't live yesterday, but I am living today. I can live it today. Trouble is, we worry about so much in the future, it depresses us and ruins our tomorrow. Or we let the past failures depress us, so it ruins our tomorrow. It ruins our ruins are today, which is the only thing you have. And eventually those todays become your tomorrows. Am I making any kind of sense about this? So you got yesterday, the Bible says, forget those things which are behind. But, But this happened to me. But I was abused. But I was misused. But I was this. But I was that. It's over. Quit bringing it up. Go to God and ask Him to help you overcome it in your mind. Because what you think about is what you are. And if somebody's hurt you and you keep thinking about them, he's still hurting you. Don't let him hurt you. Don't let her hurt you. Don't let the situation keep hurting you. Forget those things which are behind. By, by the grace of God now, he'll help you. And looking forward to those things as if you're a track runner looking at the tape, Keep your eyes focused on that and run to that thing and do one day at a time what God wants you to do. And pretty soon you look around and it's, your time's up. But you've been able to serve God with those days. You don't have time to waste. When I got in that accident in Michigan, um, you know, God had a purpose for that. As a Christian, i got to tell you that God did that. It was Hal Hightower was driving. His son was in the back, and I was in the front. Three preachers. As far as I know, we're all right with God. I don't know about them, but I was right with God. I'd been sitting in a tree stand for three hours alone without seeing a lousy thing move. But I was praying and talking to God and having a great fellowship with God during those three hours. And then it was snowing, it was beautiful out. And then I got out of the tree stand and got down, got in the car, and then we, a head-on had happened in front of us. They didn't have any lights on, so we hit them. Hit them hard. Hurt me. Fractured my sternum. I thought I was going to die right there with an aorta tear because it hurt so bad. I thought I must have torn my aorta or something. So I sat there and I said, well, Lord, I never thought... I got humored, and I said, I never thought I'd die in Michigan. <laughs> you know, I've ministered to half of Michigan, but I never thought I'd die there. What a strange thing. And it was snowing real beautiful, and it was a big old flakes, and it was late, and it was dark, and six inches of snow on the ground, 15 degrees, or something like that. And uh, you know what God started whispering to me? He said, Bill, any time. I thought, yeah. I preach to others, but how about myself? And you know help me again, to realize the brevity of life. Folks, you may want little to leave here tonight. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to be truthful with you. You could leave here tonight, and this be your last ever opportunity to live for God and to give your life for God, to get saved, to give your... To have your sins forgiven. It could be your last opportunity. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the reality that happens. Every, read the newspaper. Listen to the news ha- newspaper. Nobody, well, that dates you, doesn't it? What newspaper? But I can tell you this. Everybody's going to have an end. Just do the will of God. And you'll be happy for the rest of your life. And you'll be happy for all eternity. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Forgive us where we have fallen away and sinned against you. Forgive us where we've taken lightly this gift called life, this thing called time. Forgive us for where we have given up so easily on knowing you. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, be made conformable unto his death. Father, please, please, in your mercy, may we see clearly what you've done for us. And there may be some in this room tonight, no, no, not Christ, may not. You need to take another look at Jesus, another look at the Bible. You may have heard some propaganda. In fact, A lot of people in here have heard fake news. It's everywhere. You got to beat through all that fake news. You know, when the police officer stops, she'll tell you ignorance is no excuse. You got to know what God wants from you. It's there. It's available. Father, help us to know it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website